This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. The Cosmic Peach Podcast. Thanks for joining us again on tonight's episode. We have the one, the only, Brian Jason from the Cleveland Schwill Podcast. How are you, Brian? Oh, I'm great. I appreciate you having me on again. As always, I've been racking my brain for weeks on end with this this case we're going to discuss. So uh, I hope the listeners. Uh, enjoy a thought-provoking episode because I yes. think we're going to be talking about things that uh, they were not expecting. Well, it's say. like you said before we started recording, I called it a rabbit hole and you called it a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think oh, that's man. pretty accurate. Yeah, that's what this is. I mean, you don't get cases like this, though, that are now over 40 years old that are unsolved without there being Mm -mm. you know this this level of confusion and you know the thing is it's like we talk about in most of the cases we talk about jack the ripper and boy in the box and we as human beings we can't just leave something unsolved we have to fill in the blanks you know and there's a lot of people out there they have their mind made up about how this case is you know, you couldn't put them on any jury because they already know. They're mm-hmm. already, their minds are set. And I noticed that in reading a lot of the comment sections of news articles that were printed. They're, they, they already know who's guilty. They know who they want to go after. And I just hope that as we present this case, because I, I came into this clean. I never had a bias. I didn't know I anything about it. I had never heard of it. Never had heard of it. And uh, I hope that as we present this case, everyone keep your mind open to mm-hmm. all, uh, a bunch of different possibilities because that's what this is going to take to get through. And <laughs> your mind is going to want to fill in all the blanks with, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you can make your own Frankenstein theory based off of all the other <laughs> theories we have and just piece together something because well, that's what it's going to take. You know, it's funny you say that, too, because by the end of it, I really had just launched my own investigation into what I thought was going on. And at the end, I was like, I I think I think someone should pay me (laughs) for the time. (laughs) 
I've put into this, you know, I, this is like a full-time job looking into this. It but is. We're discussing John David Gosh, also known as Johnny Gosh. And this was a listener request from Caitlin D. So shout out, Caitlin. Thank you so much for the suggestion. I know uh, Brian's been hard at work <laughs> trying to solve this one. I think you may have him stumped. I both love and hate you for this request. Uh, <laughs> been sitting there for weeks on end, just like racking my brain on this one. Mm-hmm. I can tell by how disheveled your hair is today. Oh, I came into this with a hot mess. I'm going to leave it a hot mess. <laughs> I thought my life was somewhat put together. I haven't done laundry or dishes in weeks. <laughs> Thank you. Whoever took Johnny Gosh is a piece of shit because my life has been horrible for the last two weeks because of this. And so before we jump right in, I also wanted to ask you if you came across the um, the information that Johnny Gosh is the first milk carton kid. You know what? I, I did, but I found out that he was one of the first, not the first. I think technically he was on the second milk carton. So he was one of the first three kids. I have all that in my notes. Um, but it was an interesting story how that got brought up, like uh, when that Eugene Martin kid was taken, yep, uh, which was a little bit later. That child had their family had ties to a nearby milk company, and they wanted to print his face on the milk cartons. And Johnny was already a pretty big case by that time, and they included him on that, and so he was one of the first. So let me get your thoughts on something before we jump right into our research. Yeah. Um, There is someone in the conspiracy theory community, and I don't like to name names or shit talk or anything like that, but their theory is that Johnny Gosh never existed. Okay. I never um, went down that. uh, I think it's preposterous. Okay. Yeah, I and I just say that because this person also says 9-11 never happened, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein doesn't exist, John Benet Ramsey doesn't exist, and she uses the fact that Johnny Gosh was on, she called it the first missing kid on the milk carton, to yeah. say, oh, look, they put this kid that doesn't exist on these milk cartons, and they terrified everyone, and now that you just presented that information debunked (laughs) (laughs) i mean i can get to actual (laughs) um yeah let me see how they i'd have to go through my uh you know find it because i tried to put it in chronological order all my notes but Mm -hmm. uh and we can get to it later but i just wanted to start off by saying you and i both agree that johnny existed and is a real kid yeah, I wasn't even going to present that. You know, I was going to present a couple different theories that are, some of them are kind of interesting. The truth is, I'm going to come out and say this, guys. I don't subscribe myself to any of the theories that are out there, period. Like, I am a huge skeptic. Everybody knows that. Um, I, I know a lot of you have your minds made up about uh, how this is going to go or how it should play out. 
And if you have information that we don't bring up, you know, bring up, put up some sources and say, hey, check this out, because I'd be interested in looking at it. Mm-hmm. I, I took a lot, you know, most of the stuff, believe it or not, uh, and you guys can see this at home, when you start looking into this case, you start reading, you know, a lot of the news reports. And for 40 years, it's almost like copy and paste. It's like, uh-huh. this is Johnny Gotch. This is the date he was taken. This is what th- this car looked like. This is what this person looked like. Oh, this he's a newspaper boy. Blah, 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 blah. Milk carton. Blah, 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 blah. Dollar bill. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Motorcycle gang. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Paul Bonassi. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. That's it. It's just boom, 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 boom. And they don't go into great detail of who these people are, what this was all. So it's hard to start digging up information on this. And I see why a lot of people start to fill in the blanks. Because when the blanks are there, you're going to fill them. That's what people do. And and a lot of times, you know, one of the biggest things I saw online was people started to say, well, if you don't believe that, you're not providing a, 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 a solution to what happened. So that must be it. And that's not true. Just because that might have not happened doesn't mean what I'm just because I don't have a solution to what happened doesn't mean that happened. I know we want there to be a solution, but there, honest to God, may not be one. So let's just, I'll, I'll, I'll start presenting what I have. But you know what I actually wanted to start with, which nobody did online, is actually talk about who Johnny David Gosh was. As a person, I know he, he was only around for 12 years, but um, like, I just wanted to talk about who he kind of was, just so people understand. Before the was, milk carton. Before the milk carton, before the date he was taken. Okay. Let's dive into that. Okay. And, and it's just a few things. Like, he was a Cub Scout. He was extremely close with his parents, both Noreen and John. Um, they always had things planned. They went to the lake a lot. He'd bring a friend with them to the lake. As a matter of fact, the day after he was uh, taken, they, there was already plans for them to go with a friend down to the lake. They were going to hang out. He went to his brother's uh, football game the day before. He had a newspaper route that he was very meticulous about. It was only like a block or two. It wasn't a lot of houses, but he always had the newspapers there on time. He was the kind of guy, uh, kid who would take all the money he made, and if it was somebody's birthday, he'd buy them a present, like with his last Aww. dollar. He had that newspaper route because he was saving up for a dirt bike, and he finally did buy the dirt bike. And as a matter of fact, there's a nice picture of him on that dirt bike. You can see it online. Uh, they use that picture a lot. That was the bike he bought with his newspaper route money. And that was just the kind of kid he was. He was somebody who helped a lot of people out. He didn't have many enemies. I guess there was a couple of kids at school who didn't like him. But, I mean, you're going to have that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's only 12 years old, but it kind of paints a picture to the type of responsible adult he was turning into. Mm-hmm. You know, a loving, responsible adult. And this isn't me trying to paint, like, an angelic picture of somebody. Just, I did not read very negative things about Johnny Gosh when people talked about him. And you have to think he's 12 years old, still just a small kid. And 
didn't even have time in his life to do anything bad to anyone. He had a little paper route, was a little Cub Scout kid. This is just your typical, you know, middle schooler. It wasn't like he was the bad kid that always got kicked out of school or whatever. Or maybe he ran away. I don't think that applies to him. Yeah. No, it wasn't uh, at all. Uh, he was really the kind of kid that, uh, mm-hmm. and most kids that t- take up paper routes are kind of responsible anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think he had that route for quite some time. And it was very unlike him to not have those papers there right on time. Because the actually the way it worked back then uh, is that you'd get docked your pay if the papers were late. If somebody called up and complained, and as you'll see, uh, actually everybody in the neighborhood knew who delivered the papers. And they knew which kid's house to call if the papers were late or didn't mm-hmm. show up. And the papers were expected to be delivered, but uh, no, he 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 never had late papers. You know, he was just the kind of kid he got up and and did it, and normally did it with his dad. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have anything on Noreen and John, the parents? What yeah. they were like before the disappearance? Before, I didn't um, write out too much about how they were before, I actually think I'd have to look it up. But one of them, I think that John's brothers were only his half brothers. I think that they came from another marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can't remember if that was on John's side or Noreen's side, but I don't think his brothers were his full brothers. Well, I tried to dig into them a little bit, too, and I just didn't find anything that was a huge red flag. There was no Ted Bundy-ish weird tendencies with either one of them, like, oh, maybe it was one of the parents kind of going back to the boy in the box. It just seemed like they had a normal existence and a normal marriage with kids. And I just didn't find like the gold mine of, you know, Oh, that's it right there. I didn't find anything like that with either parent. No. And a lot of times, especially with other kids involved, something would have manifested itself. You would have heard something. Mm hmm. Like the dad was secretly a sicko, the mom was on drugs, none of that. Nope. Nope. No, they're both pretty, I think they're both very good parents. They just, I actually feel very bad for both of them. And I'm going to try to paint it. I mean, I know that people have theories about these parents and we can go into that, but like, Truthfully, what they experienced, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Right. Like, as a parent, just breaking this down, I, I this should never happen to anybody. But we'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. what happened. Would you like to go to the day in question? Sure. Do you want me to go over my, like, series of events that I know are factual and then we can throw in yes. pieces later? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I kind of just wrote down little bullet points of what some of this stuff is. You know what, to be honest with you, 
it always turns into almost everything's disputed in this. But so I'm going to say this from Noreen's testimony from herself verbatim out of her mouth. I heard from her leading up to this date, someone had been calling the house at like one o'clock, one thirty in the morning. And she'd always ask John. And by the way, guys, so this doesn't get too confusing. I'll refer to uh, the child as Johnny Gosh, but his father is named John Gosh. So Mm -hmm. I'll I'll use the father. I'll refer to the father as John. And then the kid is Johnny. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't get too confusing. The mother is Noreen Gosh. So weeks leading up to and this is in 1982, she's getting these phone, or the family's getting phone calls to the house really late, and John is telling her that it's a wrong number. But one, she said the the day before the abduction, so this is September 4th, 1982, they go to the brothers' football game, and Johnny went down close to the field and underneath the bleachers there was a police officer and she could see him talking to the police officer but she couldn't understand what they were talking about and John gosh went down to Johnny I was like hey you gotta come on you gotta get away you know come with me and she got back and and, and Johnny said I want to be a policeman when I get older like said that to her and that night they got they came back home and uh he had looked up at her and said hey tomorrow i kind of want to do the paper route by myself because he normally would go with his dad he says i want to go by myself i'm going to take gretchen the dachshund dog that they had i'm going to take gretchen with me and he started heading up the stairs and then he turned around and he went back and he goes Hey, mom, I just want you to know I love you. And he gave her a big hug. That's This is Noreen, Noreen saying this. Okay, And she said that's actually the last time she ever spoke to him. And he went back upstairs. That morning, we now know, you know, Johnny Gosh is a paper boy in Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. And he leaves to go do his route with Gretchen, the dachshund in the morning and somewhere between six and 7 a.m. on September 5th, 1982, he's presumed either having run away or kidnapped. There's no arrests that have ever been made. It's a cold case. It still remains open. As we talked before, one of his, he's one of the first children to ever have his picture taken and put on a uh, milk curtain. Now, let's go into like some what people say they saw. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was a paper boy named Mike who saw Johnny Gosh talking to a stocky man in a blue two-toned car near the paper drop. Some people say it was a blue Ford Fairmont. Now, I've also heard other descriptions of this car. 
but the blue Ford Fairmont comes up all the time in a lot of the research that you do. But I've also seen some people say it was a tan car, whatever. Mm-hmm. You, I saw that. If you start if you start researching it, you're going to see blue Ford Fairmont a lot. Okay. Now another boy named John Rossi saw the same man and car talking to John and said something felt off, something felt strange just about the way this guy was talking to him. And you'll hear a lot about this man asking for directions. And sometimes I've even heard him asking multiple different paper boys for directions to a, to a place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, 745 comes along and calls start pouring into the gosh household. Like, never got my paper. Still waiting on my newspaper. Well, right then and there, the parents knew something was up because the dachshund actually came back home on its own Mm -hmm. without Johnny. None of the papers are delivered. The dog's back home. John Gosh, the father, says he's going to finish the paper route and get the papers to where they need to go. And he starts driving them to the houses. But before he did that, see, he had to go get the newspapers. And he drove a couple blocks down and found the the wagon Johnny would take with Andon with the papers in it. When he got back home before he delivers those papers, he says, uh, you need to call the police. Like, this is a problem. But what is what we're going to find out here soon, guys, this is where everything kind of cracks open. At that time, they didn't treat children's cases the way they do now. They treated a chil- children's cases the same way they treated adult cases. So no one was considered missing until they'd been missing for 72 hours. You think about that. Like, that's kind of like blows our mind hearing that today. But this was right at the beginning of really a panic in the 1980s, in the late 70s, early 80s, where children started missing like this and getting mm-hmm. kidnapped. Um, we know things like that had happened in the past, but it started to really make media attention at that time. And it was happening more frequent. So the laws had not changed yet, but we're going to get into that soon. But they basically took 45 minutes to show up to the house to talk to Noreen, the police. They believe he's a runaway. Yep. Though when, and we can get into how other law enforcement, when they looked at this case was like, that's, insane to even say yes it is you know it's a travesty you know hindsight is 2020 when you probably have kids that ended up doing this type of shit to the police all the time and they'd show up two hours later and you know the, the parents were in a panic and you're wasting all these police resources and all this other stuff so you got to look at it from both sides. Like we now know that this child was never found, but that day, you know, what is this? The 200th call of the year that's come in like this to the police department? For a 12-year-old though? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not 12. 
probably not Maybe that young. 16, 17, all they yeah. are missing, and then they find them at the mall or some shit. Yeah. But, but a you- 12 year old paper boy, Brian, that's fucked up. It is. It is. But you've got to, you, you see where I'm trying to just throw a little bit of, like, this is probably more of a common call than people think. Mm-hmm. When we look at things from the past and we know the result, it's easy to say, like, similar to, like, what Noreen did. Why didn't you br- instantly bring out 22 federal agents, have a helicopter, shut down the streets? Like, yeah, sure, we'll just spend a million dollars right now on a boy who may have just run off run off for mm-hmm. whatever reason went to their friend's house and didn't tell went you. to their friend's house because they don't know johnny gosh from anybody now if you look into his who he was as a kid he wasn't the type of kid to do that type of stuff but they don't know that he could be he could be the, the school bully that does it all the time and no cell phones no Can't cell phones. Text him. No, find my iPhone. None of that. Yeah, there's no air tag where no. you're just. Hey, where you at? Find my yeah. iPhone. Find my air tag. You know. So yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. So they they call they called the police. Seven two hours. He he found the newspapers two blocks from the house. We knew about the 45 minutes for police to show up. They believed he was a runaway. They did later backtrack and believe he was uh, kidnapped, but they can't establish a motive. They don't know why. They don't know why is this child taken? Why has he been taken? And the amount of time that passed, you know, they basically show up and they say there is no crime scene. We don't know that where there's a crime scene. So they don't know where to take evidence from. Now, obviously, uh, the parents disagree with that. They're like, well, what about where the paper boy saw him talking to this gentleman? Because as we, or whoever this person was, because as we uh, hear a little bit more, you hear about how, like, Noreen's talking about how a guy shuts off his engine, opens a passenger door, swings his feet out to the curb, asks for directions. Johnny begins to walk away, but the man pulls the door shut, flicks a dome light on the car three times to signal to another person who's in some back alley or something to come out, start walking, and basically abduct this kid as a signal, who I guess he was like two houses away or something, and they start following Johnny Gosh. And five witnesses who I could not find anything on claim that they saw the actual abduction happen. But again, the captain of the police force, his name was Bob Rushing. He's like, there is no crime scene. So five witnesses and there's no crime scene. How do you feel about that, Brian? See, I don't... Just, I mean, I know you're skeptical, but let's say it's your kid and you have five separate people saying they saw this happen and this is probably who took and they actually saw the abduction of your child. But the police well, captain is like, no the, crime scene. The thing that we do have to be 
when I try to break these down, the, when I say I'm skeptical, that means I'm really kind of skeptical of everybody, including myself. So I try to first separate my own biases out of it. I try to separate. So when I think about five witnesses, we have to then go, okay, who are these witnesses? What's their motive for coming out? Were they actually there? Did they actually see something? Or now that the case is famous, did they see something? Did they, who are these people talking about this stuff? The unfortunate thing about all this attention is that it does create a motive for people to be pieces of shit. And they come in and they want to extort money from you. And they want their own attention. Or they want, you know, there was uh, even stuff that hasn't even been heard about. Like when I was listening to podcasts of people talk about this, there was people who worked at the, uh, the, I guess it was, might've been called the, Des Moines Register or something, a newspaper. There was some guy that worked there and he constantly was like, I knew that that kid was going to get it. And he would walk around and say shit like that all the time. Why? Probably because one, he's a dick. And two, like that started making people like, like, what do you, what do you know? What do you know? But some people are just like that. They're just like, they just say stuff. And it's like, unsubstantiated you don't know where it's coming from Mm -hmm. and i just don't know to you know i'm not gonna argue with them i'm not gonna be like oh well well, well, what do you know what do you do but like where's this coming from so there was five witnesses and the thing is i've been close you know it's funny witnesses are funny things because and and i hate to like go off on on a tirade like this but one of the things that happens between me and my girlfriend sometimes is she'll be like, did you kiss me when, when we saw each other at first? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you don't, rem- I, ju- I literally just kissed you like 20 minutes ago. You don't remember that? She's like, no, you didn't kiss me. You never kissed me. And then I'm like, yeah, I kissed you by the stove. And then I said, and then she's like, oh yeah, you did kiss me. That's 20 minutes ago, you know, <laughs> and we're not getting a story straight. You get five people together. And one person starts saying something like, yeah, I did see something kind of strange about a kid. It looked like he got into a car. Next thing you know, all five people saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Oh, yeah, it was a blue car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That made me feel weird, too. Oh, wait, are the police here? Wait, is that is that the news? Call? Is that the news? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I'm like, what time is this going to be on? Six o'clock? Huh. Hey, Mom. Yeah, I saw him get in the car. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, I need to know what time this is going to be on so I can put my VCR on. Um, <laughs> they flashed the light three that... times and the guy yeah. was out of the alleyway and he had a bag and he put it over and... the kid's head and it punched it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Threw his carcass in the back. and He put his carcass in the back. He put him up on top of the car like a deer. <laughs> he just strapped him up there. You know, like people are just going to say stuff. And, and that's the thing that happens to law enforcement. And everybody, you got to start, you got to like, the cream is going to come to the top, but you got to start separating fact from fiction the best you can. So sometimes it's, they're not following up on stuff because it's really, it's crap from the get go. And you can't, when you take resources away from other active cases of other missing children or other crimes that are going on and push it all towards like, 
any old whim that somebody comes up with, that's a problem. So they do have to have some, they do have to decipher somewhat what's a legitimate claim and what's not. So, and I'm getting a lot of that as we go through this case. The one thing you're going to know about Noreen is there's not one thing she never, she believed everything. It didn't matter what anybody ever told her. And this isn't me like putting this woman down. She went through hell. And when you have to come to terms with the fact that, one, she does not want to believe that her son is dead. So any, anything that's going to make her believe otherwise, I'd be the exact same way. You're telling me he's still alive? I'm going to believe you. Because that's what I want to believe. I can go to sleep at night. I can keep living knowing that there's a chance. I have some sort of hope. The last, you're not going to want, you're not going to live being like, I'm never going to get my funeral. I'm never going to, like, you're going to live going, I'm going to see this kid again. Right. So I don't blame her for latching on to all these crooks that have come into her life saying, I'm, oh, I can find your son. Oh, I know where he is. One, she's got that. And two, this is another thing, guys, that John Gosh said on a podcast, the father. He, and this makes perfect sense. He said a few days after Johnny Gosh was taken, a man came into town who had dealt with a lot of missing children's cases. And the first thing he said to Noreen is he said, I don't care what you have to do, but don't ever shut up about this. Because the day you go quiet, the day you stop being in people's ear, the, st- the day you stop bringing attention to this, the police are going to be moved on to the next case. He's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Okay. So Noreen has a motive to be in the newspaper every other fucking day. Mm-hmm. Whether she believes it or not, I'm going to put Johnny Gosh's name in your ear, no matter what. You're a conspiracy theorist. Do you want to believe something? Great. You're on my team. You're going to look for him. You're going to look for my kid. I'll believe anything as long as you're still out there pumping Johnny Gosh's name into the ethos mm-hmm. because you might bring him back to me. He might hear about it. The, the police aren't going to give up. If she was really as distrustful of law enforcement as she said, when the, new, when the pictures show up at her house, and things like that. Why is this the first place she goes? Is it's the Des Moines Police Department? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She still trusts them, but she's gonna she's gonna jump on any bandwagon she can because it keeps her son alive. I would do the same thing. There's a huge motive there, guys, to pump everything that she pumped. I don't know if she believes everything she says she believes. Or if she's sensationalizing it. Yes. Did Johnny show up at her house at 2.30 in the morning in 1997? Or did she dream it? Doesn't really matter. I'm on the news again. She's gotten on the news every time somebody's been taken. Hell, she even got on the news when here in Cleveland, Ariel Castro, three uh, women were found in a house that had been put in there for 10 years. And that she got on the news and she was like, that gives me hope that Johnny will be found. When Paul Benassi makes his claims. Hey, you know, I, I was. And before we get into Paul, because, you know, I got some info on Paul. That's my thing. That's my realm. The conspiracy 
round. Okay. You know what? I should have <laughs> stopped with the facts, but I'm just trying to say like Noreen's story goes everywhere. Yes, it does. There's not a single thing, guys, in, that she will not say she doesn't believe. She never once discredited anybody. But what I'm trying to say is, as a parent, and from what that gentleman said to her that first day, I would do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. She may but- not believe what you're saying, but she's going to jump on it because it's that keeps the word out. Yeah. But let me play devil's advocate here. Okay. That's great. Just, just entertain this idea. Yeah. Because of some other information that I found about these pedophilia rings and everything. Mm-hmm. And that um, the testimony of Paul. But we'll get into that in a minute. Do you think that there's anything odd about if these were substantial witnesses, all five of them, that the police captain may have been in some way corrupt and helping hide the identity of the abductor or kidnapper? Okay, so this is where we're both going to have to speculate, right? Both of us have to kind of, I, I'm going to say for me as a skeptic, I go with incompetence because I can't prove otherwise. So we know that there's incompetent police behaviors going on. Yes. Um, I don't think, I think it's too many people to be a real legitimate cover up. There's too many people involved. It's just, it's too big. It's one of these conspiracy theories, you guys, as we go through it, you're going to see there's claims all the way up to the White House. Yes, there is. So where you decide to cut things off is up to you as we present the case. Mm -hmm. And at any point, someone could draw a line in the sand. Yeah. But it has to be addressed. Yeah, I won't argue that there was a lot of bad policing in this Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to get involved you know in the future after things you know Noreen wasn't off in the sense that when things happened in the future they did have like 22 23 policemen instantly start shutting streets down and they would bring out helicopters and they would because this stuff was such a you know a media force against you you looked incompetent if you did if you were letting kids get taken from your area, mm-hmm. which it did happen in the Des Moines, Iowa area, and in the Nebraska area, and um, in other parts of the country at that time. It was big, and uh, you know it was making them look stupid. It makes you look stupid. Yeah, but and, and you know, and then she's coming out and she has claims against them that I don't think are are unsubstantiated. I mean, she's. But it makes it even harder to work with law enforcement when you go on record every day and you're like, these people are idiots. This police chief's an idiot. This police chief's an idiot. Like, they're like, oh, he's covering stuff up. No, he just doesn't want to deal with you anymore. That's what happens. All right. In my opinion. I can see opinion. that. I can see that. You know, you're that. going into these, these places where their livelihood's at stake and the media is going to chew them a new one. So, 
some people look at that True. as like they're trying to cover up stuff. I look at it from the human nature aspect, and they're like, Dude, I don't, I, yeah, don't even, okay, a, a boy's going to be, you know, you're coming at me every time another child's kidnapped, and you think it's linked to Johnny Gosh. And we don't even want you over here because you're just going to throw us under the bus in two weeks. That's what ha- I think that's what happened with that. But that's my speculation. That's me speculating on right. That's why they're always like, no comment, get out of here. You know. Yeah, and I that's why I always say, you know, would you present information on these from the conspiracy theory route or from more of your perspective? People can even be somewhere in the middle on this stuff, but at the end of the day, neither one of us know what the fuck happened. And that's that's a hundred percent true. That's that. So the only time I have a problem when somebody is presenting it to me like they a hundred percent know, yeah, because you know they're full of shit. Yeah, I know. I went through all this information. There's no way any of your listeners, you or I, know. You do not know. Mm-mm. You may think you know. You may think you've dug up everything, but a lot of it is coming from a belief. It's not coming from knowing. It's coming from a belief that this is, you have to have a substantiated belief either way, whether Mm -hmm. it's me, my way or their way. I have to believe certain things are true. Just like when I'm saying things, I'm making these claims, you know, and I'm not trying to defame anyone, but that's what kind of happens. Like you, you have to speculate a little bit on where the mm-hmm. truth begins and ends. Yeah. And they always say there's there's his story, her story, and then there's the truth. You know, and it's <laughs> like that anywhere. It's like that with everything. Yep. That's why I'm trying to listen to all the sides and 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 uh and really gather information here, but we I, I you know, we should try to give your audience more and more facts and then let them start seeing where this goes. So there was a 23-day search, and John and Noreen made a bunch of TV appearances. They actually distributed 10,000 posters. And this is before the milk carton thing about Johnny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, then two years later, um, two years later, another boy named Eugene Martin, he vanished. And we kind of talked about Eugene a little bit before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he was also a newspaper boy. So there was definite like similarities here, guys. And I think Eugene, I didn't write his age down, but I do think he was 12 too. I think he was too. And then there was a third boy. There was, I think his I name. I have was, his name. I have his name. Does it begin with an M? Mark Allen. Yep. Yep. So it was Johnny Gosh, Eugene Martin, and Mark Allen. They were all uh, three paper boys around the same age. And, and so Eugene Martin's relative worked for Anderson and um, Erickson Dairy. That was the first dairy. And they asked to print both the boys and uh, boys' pictures, but then said, in the future, let's put other missing kids on the uh cartons of milk and for people during that time we you know when i was growing up that was very common 
not the gallon jugs, but if you got the cartons, they, they would have pictures of the kids on the side because you didn't have Amber Alerts. You didn't have um, ways to, like, but people would drink milk regularly. Like, most people were drinking milk at that time in the United of States. Of course. I think less people drink milk now than they did back then, you know? You'd have to put it on the uh, oat milk now. Yeah. You'd have to put it on just about, you'd have to be talking about 60 different companies, you know? Uh, yeah. Get it on the cash. Is it on the cashew milk? <laughs> Did you get it on the cashew milk? A lot of people are drinking cashew milk now. <laughs> what if a vegan sees him? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what about the chocolate cashew milk? <laughs> Everyone was drinking milk. All right, everyone. The rest of this episode can be enjoyed on the Cosmic Peach Patreon, along with other bonus content. Now, what you're going to get over on Patreon is taking your Cosmic Peach experience to a whole new level. The subscription is called Room 237. And it is seven bucks and eleven cents a month. That's right, seven eleven, y'all. Now this subscription is an all-inclusive resort, if you will. There's no levels to this shit. If you subscribe, you get it all: bonus content, extended versions of documentaries, and full versions of episodes, ad-free content, Julia rants, ten percent off code for Cosmic merch, holiday specials, messaging, and conversations with yours truly horror movie breakdowns and commentary and whatever else i'm in the mood for posts videos maybe a playlist of cool songs to check out cool movies and tv shows it's just a little bit more personal so there is only so much i can say on youtube and instagram or even on here without getting shadow banned or content getting straight up removed fuckers So in order to continue bringing you the cosmic fire, I would like to provide the option of an exclusive and more in-depth coverage of my research. I am humbled and grateful to be a part of your journey towards finding truth. Patreon just allows me to connect with you on a more personal level. So go on over to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes if you would like to subscribe. And thank you so much. I hope to see you over there.